Armada Six. Uh, these are the continued voyages of Ensign's Mark and Eddie as we watch all of the episodes of the Next Generation that are apparently on the Enterprise computer from ten forward. Uh, I'm Eddie Edwards. I'm joined as always by my uh, my colleague, Mr. Mark O'Neill. Mark, Mark, how you been? Uh, yeah, uh, it certainly it certainly has been a week, hasn't it? It's uh, it was Monday. Now it's uh, Monday again. Well, not for us. No, we Don't let them know that. This no. is live. We can't. We 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 can't get re- we can't get reported to the the temporal. What are they? What are they? Time travel po- cops called in Star Trek? Oh Christ! <clears throat> it's, I I don't know what they're called. I know they follow the temporal prime directive. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's the, the time. The time cops. Yeah, time uh, fleet. I guess. Did did you did you ever see Time Cop two? Uh, no, I have never seen Time Cop two, but Time Cop one and Time Cop the series are some of my favourite things that exist. Uh. I <laughs> I really like the original Time Cop. Um, apart from one thing, Time Cop is a perfect example of a thing that I think is absolutely perfect until one thing that doesn't make any sense, which is that the ending of Time Cop, the way that they defeat the villain, is that they kick him into a younger version of himself. Yeah, because the same matter can't occupy the same space. Right, That's, which yeah. is just, which I will go to the grave. I will take this to court if the screenwriter of Time Cop wants to say I'm slandering them, right? <laughs> that is something that they wrote down with an asterisk next to it that said, fix this later, because <laughs> this makes no sense whatsoever on any planet. The same matter occupy the same space. What does that mean? Of yeah. course the same matter occupies the same space. I'm holding up a paintbrush. All of that is paintbrush, and it's all in the same space. It all just yeah. makes one paint. Like, and I, I guess, I guess they, 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 they sort, it sort of, the two people just sort of merge into one th- thing. Every cell in your body replaces every seven years, and in Time Cop, they're specifically going back in time ten years. So it's none of the same matter anyway. And also, due to the observer effect, the fact that he went back in time means that that villain is now a completely different guy. Yeah. Time Fuck Cop you. Two has Brandon <laughs> Lee Fuck in you, it. Time Cop, does it? I think so. Really? Fucking hell! I need to watch that. Does then. it? I thought I'd watched all of Brandon Lee's movies, and by all of them, I mean both. <laughs> so, Brandon, so in, in in the sequel to Time Cop, um, the 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 villain. Is going back in time. I think. I think it's the same plot as the first one. He's going back in time to kill all of the time cops so that they can't start the time cop organization. And I, I'm. This is. I'm pretty sure it's Brandon Lee, and it's not just because of what I'm going to say next. Uh, the main character is Chinese, right? And <laughs> one of the things that happens is that the villain goes back to the old west to kill this guy's ancestors. And you see the villain chasing this Chinese guy. <laughs> and he, he fucking he takes takes out this this Chinese guy, right? <laughs> and then Brandon Lee, you think he's gonna disappear, but then he's fine because it turns out he was adopted by a white couple. <laughs> or he's <laughs> Oh Oh my god. Oh my god. Somebody wrote that. And then, and then, and then a producer read that and went, "This yeah. is the guy we need I for can't... Time Cop too." <laughs> yeah, it's madness. Anyway, how you doing? Um, well, yeah, I had, a, I had a meeting with the, the neurosurgeon today, Mark, and I, I had to go to meet with the Skull Base team. Yeah, and I can't tell you, as a child of the eighties and nineties, how disappointed I was that their base <laughs> turned out to just be a hospital and not a skull-shaped <laughs> island. Uh, so... <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a disappointment, but. Yeah, I've got the morning off work. So, so Glasgow uh, has a very famous football rivalry, uh, Celtic uh, and Rangers, mm-hmm. and it's uh, to explain this to the American that listens to this. <laughs> it's quite heavy, right? It's not like the Red Sox versus the White Sox, where you solve your problems with, with school shootings, right? Um, there's actual violence, um, and one of the things that has has been consistent is that they have nicknames for each other's stadiums. And for years and years, the nickname for Celtic fans, which is my side, because you've got to pick a side in these things, 
the nickname for Ibrox, which is Rangers Park, was Castle Grey Skull. <laughs> and ever That's... since I was a child, that has bugged me because I'm like, those no, the, no, Castle Grey Skull is where the good guys live. <laughs> also, also, it's it's cool, like it's cool as fuck. Like even if you called it Castle Skeletal, which I think is where the bad guys live in He Man, oh, Snake uh, Mountain is where they yeah, live. Snake Mountain. Yeah. That's still cool. Yeah. Who doesn't want to go to Snake Mountain? Exactly. I don't care if it's a if it's a mountain with lots of snakes on, or a mountain made of snakes. Either way, or, I'm impressed. Or even a mountain just looks like a snake. Or a mountain something. that is a big snake. <laughs> yeah. In which case, I'll just be like, why don't you just call this the big snake? Because you made me think that this was going to be a mountain that had some special property, and what you've done is you've shown me a big snake, which, don't get me wrong, incredibly impressive. There is a snake that is so large that it has a separate weather system. But don't sell it to me as a mountain. Sell it to me as a big snake. Big snake would be the name of the lair of the Scottish evil genius. <laughs> Meet you back at big snake. <laughs> I feel really sorry for the for the for the minimum wage retail worker that has to work at Snake Mountain gift shop, <laughs> which has to, sta- has to stand there for ten minutes while I argue semantics oh, <laughs> about what um, Snake Mountain should be called. Mountain Snake. Uh, do you not understand where the subject is supposed to come in a sentence? <laughs> Speaking of, of minimum wage, I just want to bring this up because I saw it, saw it like literally minutes before we we jumped on the Zoom call. Um, do you see that Chrissy Teigen and John Legend are getting it in the neck on the internet because they decided to host a Squid Game themed party? Now, Mark, I don't know if you've watched Squid Game. Yes. But, um, I feel that if you're hosting a Squid Game themed party in your mansion, yeah. you might have fundamentally missed the point of Squid Game. <laughs> <laughs> like, John Legend was literally dressed up as one of the VIPs. Like the people, like if you could conceivably be invited to the real Squid Games, which I'm certain exists somewhere, yeah, um, then you shouldn't go on Twitter bragging to all the pubs about how you had a big Squid Games party. <laughs> Twitter, I'm honestly, I'm starting to think that Twitter was invented by a time traveler who has a major major shareholder stock in guillotines. <laughs> I, I think I think they're public domain. Uh. <laughs> Imagine the thing is, right, and I was just about to say <laughs> Imagine being the guy um, that is so that so successfully reinvents the guillotine that you become so rich that you deserve the guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that's my new favourite definition of irony. It's, it shall replace my old favourite, which is a shark who learns to surf to impress his friends who then eat him. <laughs> <laughs> which I think I ripped off of Red versus Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but speaking of, of guillotining the wealthy and ushering in a socialist golden age, Star oh, yeah. Trek. <laughs> Lonely Among Us. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's an odd, odd one. I, I enjoyed it because this throws together two classic Star Trek problems in one episode. Diplomacy and a big cloud. <laughs> Uh, yeah, now, uh, just yeah, just to, to, to start off, if there are any Night Vale fans listening, all hail the mighty glow cloud. That is essentially the plot of this episode. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's weird. So, okay, uh, this starts off with the Enterprises in the Beta Reina section, system, and it's picking up two groups of aliens, the Antigans and the Salaya, and they basically, they hate each other, but they both want to join the Federation. So, and Mark, this is a point that I really need to bring up because I want to discuss this at length. So the Enterprise is going to take them to this sector's neutral conference planet, <laughs> which is called Parliament. Yep. Right, now I've got so many fucking questions about this. <laughs> what? How How do you become a neutral conference planet? Is there like just, it's like, oh, this planet's nice. Look, it's got oxygen. There's no one here. We should only use it for meetings. <laughs> I think... Because I guess it's a bit like Casablanca, 
I guess you know that you're a neutral conference planet when the Nazis show up and you don't do anything about it. <laughs> I think that I I think I think a declaration of neutrality neutrality cannot exist in a vacuum. You have to be neutral for something. Yeah. And I think it has to essentially be the tolerance of space Nazis. Who who do canonically exist, if yeah. you've ever seen if you there's there's a great uh, there's a, a guy on YouTube called Steve Chives who did a great video. What's the worst alternate Earth in all of Star Trek? And after laying out all of the options for all of the different planets, um, he just goes, "It's the Nazi one." <laughs> it's the do Nazi you, one. Do you know this, the, 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 the plot the of the Nazi space uh, of the space Nazis episode? Yeah, it's a guy tried to set up a Nazi society because he admired how efficient they were. No, but he didn't want any of the racism in there. Is you've that got, right? you, you, sort of? But you've 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 missed that. You in, in a way you've you've missed kind of done that the way that Snake Mountain. <laughs> so he didn't he didn't want to start a Nazi society. He wanted to just start a very utopian, very efficient society. And looking back at Earth, the society where that was the case the most was the Nazis. He decided. <laughs> so he's like, you know what? Let's give it a go. Because here's the thing. A broken clock. Am I right? <laughs> Even a racist clock is probably sometimes. Look, we've all, we've all wondered, right? We've all been high at four in the morning and we're like, if I was in charge of the Nazi party, here's how I would make it good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've all been there. That's a guy who looks back at history and goes, well, you know, the numbers don't lie, and ignoring that very big one, <laughs> got a lot done. That number was definitely a lie. <laughs> Show me the aerial photos. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Oh no, no, Mark, I like to say we've gotten through. We've gotten through literally the captain's log section of this episode right. before we got to the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has just ticked a bingo card. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, Picard, Riker, and Tasha, yeah, yeah, Tasha. Uh, They're waiting they for the for the for the for the lizard people. Yeah, and they've got the fancy gold stripe uniforms on, which they only wear in that scene. They never bring them back. Yeah, and they're nice. At first, Laura and I thought, no, they didn't wear them when the black people turned up a couple of episodes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they met them in the cargo bay. <laughs> So, at first, me and Laura were like, "Are they do- are they wearing the skirts?" But no, they're they're just, I guess, like dress robes. Yeah, and they're a bit longer. Yeah, and then the lizard folk turn up, who look like the evil snake cult from the nineteen nineties Conan the Barbarian cartoon. <laughs> um, and if you're not familiar with the nineteen nineties uh, Conan for the Barbarian cartoon, and you're thinking that's a bit of a heavy blood soaked mythos for a cartoon. The 90s man, when Robocop had a fucking cartoon, Alien had a cartoon, Highlander, Highlander had a cartoon. Yep. It's, it's mental. Because we were all watching the movies anyway, because age restrictions meant nothing. Do you know, again, do you know the plot of the Highlander cartoon? Um, roughly. They, so they, they didn't have to kill people, we could meet them and do the quickening. Yeah, so basically there's a post-apocalypse and all of the immortals decide not to kill each other anymore. So that's how they get away with not having the main character, Quentin McLeod. Yeah. They get away with them never having to behead anyone. I Garbage. I what I like about the Highlander. Violence. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, right. So the, the, the snake people, they show up. Yeah. And the, the, we get a nice... Uh, oh, point of order about this, Mark. I want to bring this up. They've said that the Antigans and the Salaya hate each other. Yeah. But... The Slayer ask where their quarters are in relation to the Antigons, and they've put them 100 metres apart, despite the fact that the Enterprise is the size of a fucking city. Yep. And also, the Antigons ask, uh, you have to move us, you have to move us a little bit further away, to which Tasha says, yeah, okay, I'll do that. This is a this is a good Tasha episode, for reasons that yeah. I'll go on to later. Um, and, he, and he also says, we, can, we also have to be downwind. Spaceships don't have wind directions. Yeah, they don't. So, so that's that's just that's just being petty. 
Yeah. That should be clue number one that these people are not to be trusted. That and the fact they are g- literal giant snakes. Yeah, and also, I, I want to put it out... And they're not both, mountains. <laughs> both... I want to, I want to be clear, because I don't want to be... I don't want to pick a side in this fight. And I, so I want to point it out. Both of the aliens in this look shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know that Star Trek gets a lot of shit later on for all aliens either having forehead bumps, nose ridges, or pointy ears. <laughs> but they that was when they realised they, they were doing things well within the remit of what was possible. This is a case of they shot for the stars and then their arrow... They shot for the moon and then their arrow didn't end up among the stars. It fell back down and hit an innocent child in the face. And now, I, I also really like that the the non-snake people... Uh, clearly what's... Like, I think Gene Roddenberry by this point is really learning that the racists on his crew, they need to go. Because <laughs> the, snake, the, the non-snake people look like cartoon caricatures of old Chinese people <laughs> that Roddenberry has walked in and went, look, we can't be this on the nose. You're going to have to give them like a big back of the head or something because they've got like the, the really long white eyebrows and the long white Fu Manchu. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, so they, they've got these people on board and then while they're taking them to the, the planet Parliament which I hope is named after the funk band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they, there's an unusual energy object, which is no match for their records. So they stop down. Oh, it's a big glowing space cloud. Yeah. And <laughs> they then do the sensible thing for the space cloud that doesn't show up on their readings, which is to fly immediately through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, I do, I, before we get onto that, I do, I do want to bring something up. They go back to the bridge in their fancy robes and, and they have a chat about with data about how you know the, the countries used to not get along on earth yeah. you know there used to be countries that would hate each other for no reason a Riker does and I wrote Riker brought up what earth used to be like and it must have been a bit of incredible self-restraint for Picard to not have a France wank <laughs> because in the subject of countries that don't really get along with each other for no reason not a lot of positive things to say about the fridge <laughs> yeah yeah it's not exactly like they were the quiet man going well we kept ourselves well out of that sort of nonsense <laughs> <laughs> or i genuinely i i like france i've said this on several occasions i will go on record to say i like france i like the fridge i like their moxie <laughs> but <laughs> and as a scotsman part of the old alliance the only reason that the French aren't considered as bastard as the English is because they have a sexier accent. <laughs> no, it's, it's the reason that the Scottish don't like, don't like the French as much as they like the English is because the French are next door but one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because like, the French would have invaded Scotland if they'd had a land border. Everybody in Europe was pricks to everybody. It's, it's not <laughs> right. But the so, English were worse than most. I'm just Anyway. <laughs> So, welcome to, to two white guys. Apologise, England apologists. Yeah. Um, so we then go down to Worf and Jordy, and they still haven't quite put Jordy in the engineering deck. So he's in some random room. Yeah, I don't think this room's ever turned up before or since. This is sensor maintenance. This is where they keep all the sensors working. And and and, and Worf, Worf is doing his job of being in a scene. <laughs> No, he's there because Picard wants his junior officers to learn, learn, learn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because he said he said to Wesley in the last episode, Wesley, you're going to learn everything you can about this ship. And then Wesley left, and he went, you know what? It's not such a bad idea. Worf, I want you to do the same homework <laughs> as Wesley. So Picard's already said education, education, education. All he needs to do now is commit several war crimes, and it'll basically be space Blair. <laughs> That was a that was a, coincidentally that was a question that Laura and I watched on Tipping Point earlier. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and then yeah, Wolf gets electrocuted and does some of the worst electrocution acting I've ever seen. And while he's getting electrocuted, there's like w- lightning going up and down his arm. And then afterwards, Geordie is like when he's telling people, he's like, oh, "I saw like a white light. I definitely saw something." 
And it, the, the glowy, this all happened multiple times in this episode and no one notices. <laughs> just want to bring that up. But, just, um, just, just Jordy that can, it's only Jordy that ever sees it. <laughs> yeah. And everyone can just disregard what he says. Because they'll just be like, yes, his visor, it's not working. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then Wolf's knocked unconscious. And then, in fairness, to, I'll say this, in fairness to Wolf, Wolf is woken up from being unconscious and he wakes up swinging. <laughs> I wrote down, Worf finally gets to fight someone and is immediately brought down by Jordy LaForge. <laughs> so there's a blue shirt who gets on top of Worf to try and resurrect him and Worf throws him off to the side. Now what yeah. you may not have noticed, but I implore you to go back and watch it, Eddie, is that that blue shirt was doing some Emmy-worthy am I okay acting. <laughs> Really, really looking at his hands, just making sure that everything works. He's a he's a medical professional, Mark. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. He's got, he's got the skills. Oh, speak, speaking of medical professionals, Worf is taken <laughs> to Doctor Crusher's surgery, where she is wearing the classic medical hat. <laughs> when you said skull doctors earlier. <laughs> We are gonna throughout this episode. We're gonna have to have a serious talk about Beverly Crusher's failures as a physician. <laughs> no, not only her failures as a physician. There's something else she became a bit of a failure at that we'll go back to. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, oh, and also at this point, the, uh, the there's a bit where the Andigans are talking to Riker, and they want their live animals brought to them so they can slaughter them. And this is where they casually drop in the line that Starfleet is vegan, because yeah. uh, they no longer they no longer enslave animals. So if you're right wing and you watch Star Trek, I have no idea what you get from this show. And this this also is a start of a run a bit of a running joke that culminates in what might be my favourite Star Trek moment thus far. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's it's which it's is incredible that it ends on this <laughs> which is <laughs> Let, let's wait till we get to it no we'll, wanted... we'll get there no but i want to say the, the build-up so tasha astonishing. tasha yar security chief uh yes. bridge crew member who really should be away looking at the sensory is <laughs> she shows her visible disgust that these at uh, the antigens are going to eat a live animal Riker thinks this is hilarious does his big goofy smile then says Tasha you're on this and just sort of leaves her to get on with it um, but I so we then go back to Dr. Crusher Do, and Dr. Crusher is hanging out with Troy and this might be the opposite problem that the writers normally have with Troy which is that Troy would have been incredibly useful <laughs> for some parts of this episode and does nothing no. and so the the lightning that struck i i've got Go a theory mark right right and i'm going to throw this out there because i think it makes a lot of sense um i think troy is pretending to be psychic and <laughs> all of her justifications for why it's not working are just her trying to get out of the fact i think she put down that she was mildly psychic on her like starfleet application as a joke Right, <laughs> and then people took it seriously, and that's why they let her in. And then she got trapped in a lie, and now it's been fourteen years, and she can't get out of it. <laughs> and I think if you look at it through this lens, things make more sense. There's a there's something I wrote down in my notes that, it, to be fair, does come from the end, uh, but I'll put it here now because it seems a bit more relevant. Um, I wrote uh, Riker says the line, "I wish we had some sign that he was in here." And then I wrote, looks passive aggressively at Troy, the psychic. <laughs> so, yeah, so Troy is in sick bay with Crusher and Wolf. Like, if you're a writer of this episode, put literally any other character there. Anyway. Right? <laughs> Apart um, from Jordan, then, who can see it. Yeah, Wolf gets. Wolf. Troy gets. Crusher gets zapped by Wolf. Wolf wakes up with no recollection of what's happened, and Beverly just leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then Crusher turns up in her quarters where Wesley is there. Um, and Wesley is shocked and surprised to find that his mother gives a shit about his interests. I wrote, <laughs> Wesley, you've never given a fuck about my interests before. <laughs> this cloud is clearly a better mum. 
Yeah. And she walks in, asks him how he's doing, takes an interest in his like work. He explains himself. It's quite a nice, engaging moment. Doesn't seem to be at all annoyed that he's stolen one of her jumpers. Again. (laughs) (laughs) And then Crusher fucks off to the bridge. Crusher is on the bridge, and Picard's like, what happened to Worf? And she's just like, oh, it was a temporary mental aberration. And Picard, (laughs) fairly, is like, that's not a good enough explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Key personnel are keeling over. One of your guys was briefly mental, but it's it's grand. It's fine though. He'll be back here in twenty minutes. Don't worry. It's just the biggest and strongest one who's right next to the panel that controls the weapons. The one who, yeah, the the one who consistently asks to be put onto suicidal situations. He just had a bit of a breakdown. Have you locked him in there? No. It's all right. Jordy's there. We know that Jordy can hold him down. <laughs> So then she goes, oh, okay, I'll get more more information from this panel here on the bridge, which apparently works. And Data's like, "Uh, why are you accessing the helm control? And then immediately forgets that has happened. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, this is it, right? This is the point where it goes, where Crusher has to be questioned for a basic level of competency. Because she zaps the console, which, if we're following the logic of what's going on, means she has no memory of anything that's happened since she got zapped by Worf. Yeah. And as a medical professional and a Starfleet officer, doesn't think that this is worthy of comment. Instead, <laughs> instead, worried that she's losing her mind but not wanting to lose her job, she basically decides to cover for herself and leave. <laughs> I then, I then, we then, we then cut down to another crusher. Down in the in engineering, Wesley is there with uh, Mr. Singh. Mr. Singh, I, I like Mr. Singh. Mr. I, Singh was fun. I like Mr. <laughs> Singh quite a lot as well. Um, Mr. Singh is—he's not head of engineering, but he he gets called up to the conference room to explain to Picard there's something wrong with the ship. Yeah, uh, and Picard then says something along the line of, "Well, just fix it." And he says, "Well, we don't know what's wrong with it, so we can't fix it." And Picard is like, "I don't want to hear it." <laughs> Which no, you no, you do want to hear that, Captain. Like you, you, you anyway. So the day, yeah, the way the, things are going wrong shouldn't be possible, according to Mister Singh. Yeah, and Picard's like, well, find out how it's possible before we get where we're going. It, it would, it would be like if you're yeah, the systems that are going wrong aren't connected to each other. It would be like if your washing machine broke down and it affected your printer. Yeah, the, the, that's a bad. That's. That's a bad shout because that would that's something I could say. Printers are shit. I could totally <laughs> My printer's not working. I uh, you're out of washing powder for your washing machine. I'm trying to print a black document. What's that? My my printer just doesn't like the colour yellow. Like it legit just hates it. I've put in fresh yellow. It's not having it. Is is your printer possibly a green lantern? Oh yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, that actually the power button does have a little green ring around it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's it. <laughs> we we go we go yeah we go down to Wesley and Mister Singh and and Mister Singh's at a little console and I, yeah and 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 he and he's he's like I don't understand this doesn't make any sense he gets up to go and have a look at the warp core with the the railing around which is dangerously far apart yeah and if, if this was Star Wars there wouldn't even be a railing so you can't be blessed. <laughs> true <laughs> the Wesley Wesley then sits down at the console, fixes the situation, tells Mr. Singh, and I wrote, not even a thank you for Wesley from Mr. Singh. Wes- Wesley fixes the issue. Yeah. Mr. Singh doesn't even acknowledge this. And then when Wesley says, do you want me to stick around? Singh says, the captain's orders were clear. Where his orders, as soon as Wesley fixes the problem, tell him to fuck off. Wesley's order, the captain's orders were put up with him as long as you can. <laughs> and see, Mr. Singh has reached that limit. And now he's like, Look, Wesley, if you don't go, I'm going to hit you. Uh, and then we're going to use that mind wiping drug we've got on you again. <laughs> as soon as the child, Wesley, has solved the issue to the point where you can, take it, can do your job, get him out of there. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah. So, and then 
Riker and Data then tell the captain that they think they've got a saboteur on board. Yeah. Um, and it could be, and they reckon it's either of the delegates. Uh, both of the planets have had, apparently had contact with the Ferengi, so they could both be in the pay of the Ferengi. Right. And at this point, okay, at this point, this episode does something very important for the continuing Star Trek canon because Picard brings up the concept of a private eye. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which Data has not heard of, and Picard has to explain that private eyes were useful sometimes in the real world, but mainly shine in literature and mention Sherlock Holmes. And we get a close-up zoom of Data's face as he has been introduced to the concept of Sherlock Holmes, a concept which will become incredibly important to the Star Trek franchise as we continue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Data's... I just want to say this. Data is fantastic in this episode. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. um, Yeah, uh, Mr. Singh... And then um, then Mr. Singh gets zapped. We see. And then then he kills over and Wolf is handily there. Um, He runs over and Mr. Singh is dead. The only person who died... And I wrote, Mr. Singh, more like Mr. Sung. <laughs> yeah, pour one out for Mr. Singh. I think Mr. Singh's our first casualty. Uh, I think you may be right. Had he been, had he been a woman, he would have just become frozen. <laughs> I, think you, yeah. I think you're right. I think he might be the first Star, the Starfleet casualty, yeah, that we see on yeah. screen, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, pour one out for Mr. Singh. Well, I, I was watching this episode and Mr. Singh turned up who I had no recollection of and I was like this guy's cool I like Mr. Singh I hope we see more of him and then he just died um, <laughs> he's a lot better than uh, Engineer Chief Argyle yeah when when is that guy getting to fuck and gets replaced by this episode's most important guest star <laughs> Miles O'Brien yeah but it, yeah Maybe, to be fair, aren't we lucky that this happens? Like, like there's a, a wheel of like guest stars, and like Miles M- O'Brien could have bought it in this scene. There's no reason this isn't Miles O'Brien, but no, Miles O'Brien's fine. He's away from this. There's so many points where Miles O'Brien could have died in early Star Trek, and he doesn't. And we just need to be thankful every time a guy dies, he's not Miles. <laughs> 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 So we then we then, um, we then cut back to data in the conference room, smoking a pipe. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is he smoking in that pipe? Okay, I have two questions. Okay, right. so I, I was thinking about this. Obviously, this means there's not a smoking ban in the future. <laughs> yeah, but it occurred to me there can't be a smoking ban on a spaceship because you can't you can't nip outside. <laughs> <laughs> And also, I assume they've cured cancer. Yeah. It's like, oh, Dave, Dave's smoking. And, oh, grow, stop being a whiny baby. Take your anti-cancer drug. <laughs> the, day, the day that they release a pill that makes you <laughs> immune to all the cancers that smoking can give you is the day I take up smoking 40 cigarettes a day. <laughs> yeah. If it's just the upside of feeling like I've had a nice fag, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I as an ex-smoker, even this conversation is making me want a cigarette. <laughs> I Ghostbusters is a dangerous movie for me. <laughs> because they smoke a lot yeah, they in do. that film. Yeah. yeah. And it makes it makes me want to as well. Cause it it looks cool. Um one yeah. of one of my one of my I think I've told you this before, I've said this, but uh, one of my bosses at the London Dungeon. Uh, once made the comment that the the most unbelievable thing about Ghostbusters 2 is that four guys can live in the same house and all give up smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But so, yeah, what happens next in this is, like, a lot of important information comes out because, like, Wesley's basically said that the engines are fixed, but it doesn't make sense that they're fixed. They shouldn't be fixed, and everyone's ignoring him. Yep. Uh, Beverly finally decides to fess up to the fact that she had a fucking memory loss situation that is identical to the one reported by her patient. (laughs) Uh, Troy says she's going to start a hypnosis. Tasha thinks both delegations who have got alibis about this are lying, and Data is pretending to be Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Also, why isn't Data just consulted on every problem after that? Yeah, he's, he's, he points out that like something like I think Riker says he's reading Sherlock Holmes to Tasha, and Data says no. I've read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read the complete Sherlock Holmes in about, I imagine, like 40 minutes. Like, And that was just the speed of the computer that it's written on. Um, and it's his favourite thing, uh, which is fair enough. I can, I can understand why Data would... I, the problem is... That'd be logical. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why... I was going to say like it. He doesn't like it, because that's an emotion. Yeah. But he connects with it. He connects it and he appreciates it. Yeah. That's, yeah, more like it. I'd actually go as far as to say that he likes it, because I I think that Data does have emotions, but I think that Sherlock Holmes... I I think that Data doesn't understand how to interact with the world. So when he reads a fictional story written by people about a man who also doesn't really know how to connect with the world, but uses that ability for good... I I, th- I think that's why it's really special to Data. Yeah, well, they're both as well. They're both they're both characters that have been embraced by the autistic community as being coded autistic, even if they weren't specifically written that way. Yeah. So it makes sense that they would that he would. But also, it's important to note that in the world of Star Trek, Sherlock Holmes is a real person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, because because. Spock claims that his one of his in one of the movies Spock claims that one of his ancestors once said whatever once you eliminate the impossible whatever remains no matter how illogical must be the truth yeah um, which to be fair could have just been said by his uncle Andy yeah, at a or, party or it could be that he's like a lot of people went oh that means he's 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 he's, he's, he's like great great granddad Sherlock Holmes rather than being like it means he's descended from Arthur Conan Doyle <laughs> <laughs> Who actually said that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and which ironically goes against the statement. Um, I, I want to point out at this point, Data has got a pipe in. Okay? Yeah, um, he's doing the full Sherlock Holmes. Riker is thoroughly enjoying this performance, he's loving got it. A big grin on his face, absolutely loving it. He's really enjoying this taking. This he's got a grin like... even bigger than when he asked Tasha to slaughter that animal. <laughs> and all I've got written in my notes in this point is a man is dead. <laughs> <laughs> And he would be the last. A member, a member of their crew, a, a treasured work colleague, <laughs> has passed away. I mean, we've only just met Mister Sun, but like the Enterprise has been in the in in space for like six months at this point, according yeah. to what they were saying. Mister Singh's been like Mister Singh's probably had a birthday. Right? Yeah, they probably attended it, and he's dead. And Data's playing fucking Sherlock Holmes. He he's probably has. On the go. He probably has kids that Rikers had to hang out with. <laughs> like data it's fine that data doesn't realize this is inappropriate but like Riker should be telling him like like rein it in a bit <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so I, 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 at this point I, Picard gets possessed by the thing by the lightning cloud right guy okay. Right. This is the before this. This is before this bit is the bit about Troy that I want to bring up. All right, go on. Troy, Troy uses her hypnosis device. Oh yeah, that's account. right. Yeah, um, and um, uh, she hypnotizes Crusher, and Crusher was like, "Oh yeah, I was possessed." Um, and then it brings it up, and then Troy has to talk about this with Picard. <laughs> Picard's rightly like, "And you didn't pick up on this." And Troy's <laughs> response is such wonderful bollocks. She goes, "Oh, I thought I detected a duality." But I thought it was the duality that I always detect, that us beta's always, always detected other life forms. And their explanation of this is, you know when you reach a point and you've got to choose one of two directions and you ask yourself which way to go, who are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> Picard. This is like, oh yeah, fair enough. No, that's absolutely fine. Like I said, she's not psychic. She's yeah. making this up. That, um, that, that also, that explanation doesn't make any sense because there's a sizable population of the human race who by their own admission don't think in words. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They don't ask themselves anything. They just they just envision the concept and then allow it to play out. Yeah, and like if you're if you if you're born deaf, you don't have a voice in your head, you think in sign language. So can she hear that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and as well, at this point, Picard fucking takes things seriously and tells Data to lose the pipe. Yeah. At which point, he busts out the magnifying glass. 
to look at when, yeah, Picard's Hel- fish. Hel- goes down and then Picard gets zapped. Um, and yeah. Picard, Picard starts that because the thing is, the, the possessor, it seems to know enough about the person that it's possessing to to like 90% pass as them. Yeah. Because uh, obviously Wesley's like, that's weird that my mum's finally interested in something that I'm interested in. Um, yeah. But he must be asking himself those questions. And Picard is like Picard if he was drunk. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say something, Eddie, and I hope I hope that you'll know what I'm talking about. I wrote Picard's little jump out of his chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I spotted that. He does it in that excited way, like someone he likes has just come into the room. Yeah. Um or somebody who's or he's sat oh. in somebody else's chair who he shouldn't be sat in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry, Your Majesty. Now, I would say this. I, I want to put this out. I I've got. I think that the alien so far has been hard to differentiate because the actors it's been possessing aren't as talented as Patrick Stewart. <laughs> 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 and therefore are basically playing the same character. But Patrick Stewart is clearly playing a very different person. Um, he and, he and seems... Laura was pointing out, he seems to be very flamboyant. Yeah. And he, he's, yeah. he's getting to do some flamboyant Shakespeare. Yeah, he's doing it that, and he's enjoying themselves. And at this point, Mark, we cut hard cut to O'Brien. Yeah, <laughs> um, who is has one line of dialogue as he's walking one of the aliens down a corridor, and then a door opens, and one of the other aliens opens it and just hisses at him. Yeah, <laughs> which is like... <laughs> which is odd because I wrote there's O'Brien getting involved with a space Good Friday agreement. Uh, I've I've literally got down here. O'Brien tries to stop the delegates from fighting. He explains that the British are the real enemy. <laughs> <laughs> and as he walks off, he shouts back, "Brett's out." <laughs> and then this is when Troy finally. Now it's obvious that someone's been possessed because she's not psychic. She <laughs> she tells Crusher and Riker that she feels Picard has closed off part of his mind to her. Which I assume these people do all the time around a telepath. Like, oh, better think, better not think of vaginas. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking about there, Riker? Uh, taxes, uh, cold showers, and baseball. Uh, a double bass being played by Mark Kermode. Um, and then this is this is where we get weird they're like crusher can apparently remove him from command but according to uh according to geordie if she's wrong it's buku trouble uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that, do, you think, which, do you think she done that as a test because obviously she's saying about a french there and if picard didn't turn around and go oh uh <laughs> that's when she's like no he's de- that's definitely not jean-luc picard <laughs> You do that, and then you just like if you can. Somebody from the side has to check if he gets visibly erect. <laughs> the French language has occurred. <laughs> but yeah, apparently it's Riker's call. Like, like Crusher can order like somebody to have an examination, but Riker can just remove the captain from command. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. This is, bear in mind, this is Starfleet. Yeah. And how often, like, people get fucking possessed. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I, on the admin side, I, I I think a first officer's prime directive, other than make sure I don't look like a dick in front of the kids, <laughs> is to quit. He's the guy who's there to question the captain. I, I think that is his main job, yeah. even though he's 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 also, like, the chief of staff. He's the guy who's there to be like, no. He's he's supposed to, in a sense, be the opposition sometimes. So he yeah. does he does have free reign to, to do it. But if he does it, a bit like Beverly Crusher, if he does it for no reason, he's getting done for mutiny. Yeah. And, and so there's a big chat about this. And then Crusher and Riker go visit Picard and tell him that he that they that she's ordering him to undergo psychological examination. And Picard, this is I got, this is a great scene, okay? Because Picard's response to this is to declare that everybody else is acting strangely, <laughs> and order that Riker and uh, Crusher undergo psychological examination, which is a fucking that is a fucking three D chess move. <laughs> that is that is a bold gambit. 
Because I can imagine that Riker might be the guy who's like, maybe he is right. <laughs> yeah, this is at the point. The reason they're asked question is, is because the very first thing Picard's done after getting possessed, without even thinking about how to make it look clever, is to turn the ship around and go back to the glow cloud. Because apparently it's very interesting and they yeah. should have spent more time on it. And, I, and, and da- Data actually says, but we don't even have the instruments to measure it. <laughs> and Picard is like, oh, we'll just go look at it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay now this is immediately followed by a scene that i'm i okay Riker is walking down the corridor when a cartoonish <laughs> <laughs> a cartoonish cartoonish looking hole <laughs> with a rubber ring on the end yeah pops, pops out of a doorway and slides <laughs> over his neck <laughs> <laughs> and grabs him at which point he turns around it's one of the lizard people who immediately just says sorry wrong species <laughs> and he off he immediately goes to the comm to give yeah. Tasha yard grief for not being there <laughs> <laughs> this is the definition of you had one job but equally yeah. if people are just randomly getting possessed on the ship isn't that also Tasha's job as the security <laughs> officer um, but also doesn't like is Tasha the only security guard doesn't she have people she can be like, can you go and watch? You know you yeah. know the you know the warring races that we have on this yeah. ship? Can 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 I send at least one guy each yeah. to go stand and stand us? outside the door and be like the are you alright? Do you need the bathroom? Because I'll show you where that is. The the only way off those floors is by turbo lift, as far yeah. as I'm aware. Can you just put a guy at each turbo lift and just go kick the fuck out? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> where are you going? Downstairs. You're going to try and no. murder those people you ain't. No. And he sniffs and he goes, are you, wait, are we still upwind of the Salarians? <laughs> there's no, again, I can't repeat this enough to you, there's, there's no wind. No. Nope. We're on a spaceship. <laughs> You've apparently developed space t- technology. You should be aware of this. <laughs> also, uh, snakes, famously, can't smell. <laughs> Stop tasting the air. Yeah. Your snake tongue. <laughs> and then... Crusher goes to see John Luke and she, Picard. And she's like, "Are you are you John Luke?" And his response is, "He's here, and more." Like he's the fucking Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've said that to. I mean that that is quite a sexy line. Yeah, but I'm also going to say, at this point, she can remove him from command. <laughs> yeah, like one hundred percent. Yeah. Also, if you're worried about a thing that's possessing people, I wouldn't have gone in there alone. No. Um, Seems like a bit, yeah, seems like, yeah. yeah, seems like a bad idea. Yeah, buddy up. Yeah, you're uh, a doctor. <laughs> Put on your thinking hat that we saw earlier. Um, yeah, and but they're back at the cloud, at which point Picard makes an announcement in which he explains the plot of the episode for anyone who's not been following along. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he says he, they killed Mr. Singh by accident, which I'm not buying. No, um, not at it's all. Disgraceful! You didn't kill anybody else. No, he was like the third person he possessed. I don't know why he, that one was more <laughs> difficult. Um, what if uh, Mister Singh had a really serious heart condition? But, well, oh yeah, he might have. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. fair. Could have yeah. had a pre-existing condition. That's like, yeah. I'm sure there's Picard. <laughs> yeah, Picard's got a yeah. Picard's got yeah. A, a fake heart. Yeah. No, no, you're right. This possessor thing just didn't take. I think the possessor thing. I think it so fell in love with Wesley as his mother, being a better <laughs> mother to Wesley than Beverly ever has, that when it saw Mister Singh giving Wesley the runaround, he's like, "I'm going to solve this problem." <laughs> How many deaths is Wesley going to be responsible for? Answer: At least one. And for a fun episode <laughs> that's coming up in season four, I believe. Uh... <laughs> 
Um, at this point, this is so. This is where it gets mental, right? So the being is going to beam himself as Picard into the glow cloud because Picard has decided to go with the glow cloud because it seems like it can do he can do more exploring. Yeah. Right. He resigns. Riker refuses to accept. Crusher relieves him of command, and Picard zaps everything, and everyone goes blind. <laughs> we get we get some we get some more top notch lightning acting. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so. It's these are like if you're getting cast on like if I'm casting people for Star Trek, I'd be like one. Imagine the ship's just been hit by like a photon torpedo. Give me your best shaky acting. Okay. Uh, give me your best. You've just beamed into a planet. Something's happened, and I t- I'd pro- and then I'd say electrocution, and you've been possessed by an entity over you've, the top. You've just woken up from possession by an entity. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's the, these are the things you need for Star Trek. Worf has just punched you, and you need to make sure you're okay. <laughs> that 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 blue shirt from Ellery was like, I'm going to be a bridge officer by the end of this season. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but they're all there, and then Picard just fucks off to the transporter. Um, and again, let's be thankful. This is another point where Miles O'Brien could have died, but he's not there. Yeah, different dude. So yep, fine. Um, and then he gets transported outside, and all I've got in my notes, Mark, is it then cuts to a wide shot of like the uh, the, the Enterprise and the glow cloud. <laughs> I would have pissed myself if we just seen Picard's corpse. <laughs> 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 yeah, imagine he was like, oh, the, imagine the transporter didn't work, so you had to get one of the photon torpedo tubes. <laughs> Shit himself. But, yeah, so the, the bullshit science at play here is that the transporter turns you into energy and then back into matter. So it's just going to beam him somewhere without turning him back into matter. Yeah. Which means that his consciousness, because he was the last person to use the transporter, his, con- his pattern... Yeah, is there is stuck. Yeah, I also want to point out that so we we get a, a, a first officer's log at this point where Riker reveals that um, they've been waiting what they think is a sufficient amount of time for the captain to come back. To get back to the ship and fucking chap on the window. Can you let me back in, um, please? And that and that time, just to be absolutely clear, so everyone can understand this, is an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I understand that this, like the the, the the meeting they're trying to get to is a peace summit between the two people who are already on board the ship. It can't start without them. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's been an hour. That's long enough to have your existential journey. If he's not coming back now, he's not coming back. Anyway, yeah, let's get on it. Back to and then, Parliament. And then Troy does detect the captain. And she's like, oh, the combination wasn't possible. Um, and then... They can't. They don't know how to get him in. So they says, "Well, what if we just fly into the glow cloud again? Maybe we'll pick him up." <laughs> <laughs> this goes. This goes off the boil so badly. This episode, and then, then suddenly, one of the machines, the the LCARS system, which is the operating system on the Enterprise, um, pings up a P for Picard, because obviously that's the only way he could communicate through that screen that can show. All of the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it is I, Captain Picard. <laughs> I appear to be trapped inside the computer. I'll meet you in the transporter room. If you go down to the transporter room, <laughs> I will be the last pattern in the matter saver. Yeah. So he goes back down there. They beam him his old pattern, which yep. doesn't this imply, you might be thinking at, at home, uh, doesn't this imply that you could duplicate people using the transporter don't you worry about that. There are shenanigans involving that afoot later on that we'll get to. Because Jesus Christ, the transporter raises so many. I, I hate to. I'm pretty certain from everything I've learned from Star Trek that the way the transporter works is that it kills you and then makes a new version of you. I but think you that's die. how it works as well. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't get in one of those things if you fucking pay me. That's, nope. No, as far as you're concerned, you go in and it's black. Yep. Your life ends. That's what happens. A new you pops out at the other end. Yep. And so everybody else is fine, but you are you have died. <laughs> and you have to ask yourself, am I using this for like a for like a noble purpose? Am I giving up my life to 
you know, serve the greater good and that's why I'm getting in a transporter? Or is it just Riker wants to go and fuck someone? <laughs> so I'm the Riker that has to die. Okay. So Picard comes back, but he's got no... Because his patterns from before he beamed out, he's got no memory of what happened or since he was possessed. Because he hasn't got... He's got no memory loss from that. Um... It's a good job. He's, I've got just got. It's a good job. His energy is in the transporter room because otherwise, what would happen is I imagine that they would have just created a Picard corpse. Would have appeared and it just flopped down. <laughs> and I feel they should have done that at least once before Picard was like, "Oh yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I, I need to be in there." <laughs> Which they then would have had to shoot out of the photon torpedo tube. Yeah, and then. Picard turns up, he's normal, he's like, okay, let's just get back to work. And at this point, Tasha Yar turns up, and we get the payoff for the entire oh. running joke of the Antigans and the Salayans, yep. which is that the Antigans have turned up in the ship's kitchen and asked the cook to cook them a large lizard-like beast that looks a lot like one of the, miss- the Salayans that has gone missing from their delegation. And there is a puddle of blood... <laughs> Outside of the Zillian door. Yeah. And because he's so happy to see Picard back, Riker then turns to Tasha Yar and says, and I quote, Lieutenant, this couldn't have waited a moment. Yeah. And the, and, <laughs> and this is also come, they told Picard he should take some time off, and he's like, no, 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 don't be ridiculous. And upon hearing this, Picard decides he should take the time. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, oh, that sounds like a hassle. I'm going yeah. to bed. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, did you see it? No, because like, did you see how little of a fuck I gave about Mr. Singh? I, <laughs> I was letting Data smoke a fucking pipe. I don't give a shit about fucking lizard brain. No. Fucking let, they could all die. Flush him in the space for all I care. The- <laughs> I'm going to have a bath. The... I, the did you not just hear Tasha talking about the murder and subsequent cooking of a peace delegate? I, I, I don't think it, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. Mike. I don't I don't think either of these planets are cut out to join the Federation. <laughs> I don't think either of these planets will want to join the Federation. Can you can you imagine? Look, right, okay. Look, the, the human race has had its fair share of, of of issues over the years, like different people, different groups not getting on. Right, but if you were to tell, like, to host, like, the pots, like, when you're hosting, like, the Treaty of Versailles, when that was being signed, the Germans and the French really didn't like each other at that time, but they managed to put that aside long enough to get a deal struck. Nobody tried to kill and eat the other person. (laughs) As far as you know. (laughs) And the lucky idea is that, of course, they're trying to be cannibals. They eat live meat. Yeah. That's what they said. That's preachy fucking vegan cunts. <laughs> oh well, they eat, they eat, they eat cows. Of course, they're going to eat babies. What the fuck is that? <laughs> shit? Uh, well, I guess that episode was fine. It's it's certainly an episode. I know you mentioned in the previous one that the writing of this did get somewhat panned, and yeah, I can understand that. The yeah. the whole the the, the whole subplot with the Salons and the Antigans is completely unnecessary. For You could have just had a fun knockabout, all oh, people are getting possessed episode thing. Put in a couple of possessing beings, make them nefarious, yep. rather than and have some fun with that. But no, yeah, this is this is weird. I, just the fact that, that like, like you say, murder and attempted cannibalism, and, and so poorly covered up that they didn't even kill him, take him back and cook him themselves. They dragged the corpse... <laughs> into the kitchen and went to the chef can you cook this I didn't expect him to go I served him dinner 20 minutes ago (laughs) also I'm a chef on a starship that has replicators do you think I'm capable of cooking something (laughs) no I just I just joined at the same time as uh, uh, Troy and she lied about (laughs) being a psychic on her CV and I went I'm just going to put that I'm a chef fuck it why not He's a chef in the same way that somebody who works in the kitchen at a harvester is. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> presses the buttons, yep. hands the food out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, I, I was I was hoping after last episode that maybe there was going to be like an uptick in 
quality and while not great Star Trek, we were going to get passable Star Trek. This is this is fucking nonsense. Nonsense. Other than the fact that it introduces, it has a little O'Brien cameo and it introduces data to the concept of Sherlock Holmes, which again, if you if you've never watched Star Trek and listening to this is like your way into it, it's weird that I'm making this such a big point, but that is insanely important. Yeah. to the Star Trek franchise in ways that you cannot it, it in later seasons the fact that Star that data like Star like like Sherlock Holmes opens up such large questions about the nature of like sentience and life and things like that that it's bonkers yeah yeah <laughs> I look forward to to those better episodes yeah yeah let's just focus on those and like I say Mark I, I, I really really do hope that the tumour in my head doesn't kill me before we get to measure of a man. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.